Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we've been in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, we get competitive right from the start with Chris Patterson. Well, not really competitive, but we make an honest effort to do our absolute best. Um, you see, Chris is a marathon runner with a penchant for perfect pace. As you'll hear, his, uh, his pacing was a bit off in his first race, but, uh, but he worked at it. And uh, now he wanders around the Northeast, helping marathoners reach their goal times. Um, wanders probably isn't the correct word, as uh, Chris has a well-earned reputation for attention to detail most of the time. In this episode, we discuss his early years of running up to his current PR of 251 at this year's Boston Marathon. We also touch on some light topics like, you know, Boston versus New York City, which is better, um, trails versus roads, you know, nothing nothing really too um, heavy or anything. And of course, the lure of the ultra, or in Chris's case, the inevitability of the ultra. If you'd like to follow along uh, during our conversation, show notes for this episode can be found at www.runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash podcast slash 029. And if you don't follow along, that's cool. You can always refer to them later. You know, that's why they're on the internet. Um, And with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of Rochester Runner. You were talking about getting running in high school, right? Right. So, when did you actually like start running? My junior year of high school. Junior year. That's I when I know, started running. I didn't even know when cross country season was. <laughs> okay. That's how little I knew about running, and it seems ridiculous now, right? But well, sort of. I mean, yeah, considering you run pretty much every day, right? It's almost. But I started out with uh, indoor track. Mm-hmm. And didn't think that I really needed to um, get any type of base or know what a running base was or what a foundation was. And yeah. Oh, these cross-country guys, I can run with them. You know, I can run around the backyard all the time throwing around the football or whatever. You know, what's the difference? And, um, and that was the start of me getting hurt all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the beginning of my injury career. Yeah, my career of injuries. So um, not very glorious at all. Um, not, not um, you know, I'm just like, oh, and that's when I got states, uh, you know, when I went to the state championship, um, my other life. Yeah, not so much. No, I okay, didn't so really know what I was good at. Just so you just stumbled out, you thought you could run? Yeah, it was okay, and... Um, not really. So I, I remember one meet that stuck out. It was, I think it was at Hobart William Smith. We went there for, we would go there um, for some practices, and then we had a meet there. I think it was there, I'm pretty sure. And where you went to high school in Rochester? I went to high school at Rush Henrietta. Rush Henrietta. And they run the 600-meter race and indoor track in high school for some reason. I don't understand the oddest distance. but That's like a lap and a half? Something. Yeah. And I remember I was running the race, and all of a sudden I was in front. And everyone was like, yeah, Chris, and coach was like, go, 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 and wave on his arms. And then I died. And <laughs> I remember 
gasping for air, hyperventilating, and people just slowly going by me and and I could just I looked over and I saw my coach's face and I could see his head just going down like there we go you know and you can only go anaerobic so long right right uh, 600 meters yeah. hopefully I didn't have a very stellar high school career it was in fact so stellar that I stopped running for two years after high school wow. um, and I just decided to uh, become a, a world champion weightlifter so I, <laughs> I got up to uh, a bench press of 175 pounds as my max bench which is pretty so so pretty for impressive. those that don't know you that's like double your body weight <laughs> <laughs> uh, not to divulge my <laughs> my current weight but it's, it's it was pretty close so yeah. i was i was pretty i had bat wings at the time wow. my, my shoulders are pretty pretty jacked so so did did you not run because like from the start it seems like you intended to be competitive and because you weren't competitive it just didn't do it for you um, so I went to um, our local community college, MCC, and they didn't have any type of running team there. So mm-hmm. it kind of made it easy. I just focused on school, and then um, I decided um, that I would transfer to Nazareth College. And I had a friend um, who went there from high school. His name was Brad. We were talking earlier about my friend from New Hampshire. That's oh, okay. moved to Rochester, New Hampshire, from Rochester, New York. So I did that once. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't move, but... I was on a trip to Maine okay. with my um, with a friend of mine at the time, and we left after classes, and we were driving. I fell asleep. I woke up. I saw a sign that said Rochester, twelve <laughs> miles, and I was like, "What just happened? <laughs> Did we turn around?" No, it's there. Yeah, that was my it's first there. brush with Rochester, yeah, New Hampshire. One of my favorite, uh, pretty small chains uh, it's called tropical smoothie hmm. and they just have the best smoothies ever and so whenever we go through new hampshire i always we've we've gone there like twice in a day oh wow it's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous i'm, a, I'm kind of a smoothie so they, they like an orange julius type of thing no they they're just i don't know if they're anything fancy but you know they have all the different ones and you know you can watch them make it and they have the oh. fresh fruits and okay put it together and i don't know hey you know I, I don't do smoothies at home like you do. I, I don't. Oh. I don't. I'm not well, fancy. Par- apparently, if you've listened, I don't do them well. <laughs> well, I don't do them at all. So I'll put you one yeah. step ahead. So I transferred to Naz, and and my, my my friend Brad was there, and he was he was pretty good. He's been running since middle school. Really, right. really good runner um, through high school. And um, Nazareth's program started in 2003, which is the year that started going to Naz. So. When I started in 2005, uh, it was only the, the third year of the program, so it was still relatively new. Okay. And I said, well, couldn't you talk to the coach and maybe put in a good word for me? You know, I don't know if there's mm-hmm. you know, cuts or anything, and luckily there weren't. <laughs> we don't have enough runners yet. We don't have enough runners yet. <laughs> so so I, I went there during, I, I think, the tail end of the spring of 2005 and um, did like a couple like sprints on the track like, like pretending I was on a block sort of like coaches like looking at me like what is this kid doing <laughs> kind of like I was trying to sh- <laughs> I was like was that good and he's like I don't think so I think you should stop I'm like oh okay <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I met him and it was fine and but that's just my my personality so uh, I proceeded to be a little bit smarter than high school have a little bit more Mm-hmm. You know, actually, no one cross country season was, and yeah. so I did cross country, indoor, and outdoor track, uh, both my junior and senior year. And as that's cool. So, 
Yeah, except I started out as a sprinter. I'll skip my first year of cross country. Um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> stricken st- from the record. Stricken from the record. Uh, I was the ended up being the seventh guy on the team and um, <laughs> took myself out of regionals by getting hurt. So go, go figure. Hey, so we didn't skip it. We um, I didn't skip it. I just uh, summarized. Just summarized. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I gave up my best shot. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so. We had track, and I was doing my best uh, act. Uh, I'm not much of an actor uh, as a sprinter, <laughs> which it's for me just means in, insane leg turnover. And we'll, we'll get to a little bit of that conversation later on um, yeah, you differences have, between a gazelle and a glider. <laughs> yeah, you have a whole plan for this oh. thing. I'm very excited. <laughs> so uh, I, I'd like to say my marquee event was a 200. Okay. I think I managed a, a blistering 27.2. I'll have to fact check that. But now, now, was that judged by where you died in your first 600 race? No. You're like, I made it 200. <laughs> no, I actually um, I actually beat somebody. Oh. Uh, which I was a little over-exuberant about, and I had to be um, calmed down by some teammates uh, because apparently I was on the verge of being unsportsmanlike. So I, but it, was, it just never happened before, so I was right. just really psyched up. So you're pretty competitive from the, from the <clears throat> start. Even though you weren't good at being competitive, <laughs> your intention was to be competitive. I mean, you have to, you know, it's kind of like they say, you have to dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. So There you go. I mean, I, I didn't want the golden Michael Johnson spikes, but uh-huh. and uh, we later found that the middle distance was better for, okay. for me as far as uh, the 1,500 meters and things of that sort. I learned that my senior year had a much better track season. By, so the outdoor season of track in my, my senior year, I the last meet we had was at U of R. And I had one last race in college, and that was it. And it was the capstone in my career. And I had something called the Suicide 1500, which would mean me going flat out, kind of pre-Fontaine style till I had nothing left. Right. And just go for it and I managed uh, I don't think it was like a 448 or something which is really quick for me and I actually I had a, f- a friend one a guy on the team time me he said I PR'd in the 800 during the 1500 that's wow which doesn't bode well for the last 700 <laughs> of, of the race but needless to say I, I, I did it yeah 448 is pretty good that's not bad not bad for a up and coming person who didn't have a lot of homegrown talent, so yeah, and not bad and for a kid that, like you said, in your first race, you didn't make it. Yeah, I didn't make didn't, it six hundred. Wasn't, so. wasn't too hot. No, 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 no. that's good. So um, I ended up. Well, the every year the the coach um, was coach love, and then you know the back of the t-shirts say we re- we run for love. Oh, you know, wasn't that cute? So that's so cute. And he would do awards each at the end of each season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have, like, um, you know, most most improved, you know, those types of things. And then they have the Coach's Award, which is who we thought is deserving of an award but doesn't necessarily fit in the other categories. And I actually was the recipient of the Coach's Award. Nice. My senior year of outdoor track. And, um, I mean, it sounds a little, a little dumb, but that's actually what kind of kept me going in the years following there. Yeah. Um, I really didn't have much of a plan. I didn't. I just kind of like running and, oh, I should be able to do this. And I did my first 
half marathon in 2007, and you know, it was at uh, Disney. Yeah. And no one goes to Disney to run competitively, so I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think people go I, no, there I, and I, they I go to eat you, and have yeah. fun, and I guess they do a lot yeah. of walking. But yeah, you got to see um, the princesses, right. and you know. Right, and then you got to wake up at 2 a.m. to do this half marathon. It starts <clears> at 30 degrees, and then by midday, it's 95. And yeah, and they got to chase you out of the park right. before they actually open the park. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up getting like 250th in this race with like 12,000 people. With I, I think it was like a 138 or 142 or something, and I was like, "Whoa, I'm on top of the world!" You know, I yeah. was like, "Wow!" And I, you know, I wasn't this. Hey, my my half I, PR is a 141 right now. Okay, but I've only run three halves in my whole life. Okay, so. well there you go. But um, but, but that that note that you mentioned about your coach giving you that coach's award, yeah. that's sort of exactly what it's for. That's that's exactly why a smart coach gives a kid a coach's award. It's the, hey, keep going. You well, know? it's a lot better than a participation trophy because not everybody yeah. gets one right. you know, in this and, case. And it's a lot better than my coach, you know, who said, yeah, just try not to hurt yourself. <laughs> You're just a recreational oh, I, runner. I was good at hurting my – I didn't need anybody's help. I just overuse yeah. injuries all yeah, the time. Yeah, so you were mentioning that. So, like – is that is that while you're trying to, you're just constantly trying to run the 1500 sprinting as fast as you can and just pulling pulling bone pulling I, muscles off the bone at this point reflecting now I mean it was 10 years ago over 10 years ago that I don't think my body was built up enough yet I don't think I had the foundation to do all the workouts everyone else was doing and so I constantly get shin splints mm, um, yeah I you know runners knee patella tendonitis which is something that doesn't go away, by the way. You just have you, to deal with you it. You keep it forever. Keep it. Yep, that's <laughs> not one of those things. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps keep on giving. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, overuse injuries in my ankles. Uh, me and the list goes on and on. And um, that's just stuff you have to work through. And uh, we can talk a little bit about how I've managed that lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but it's it, it's been a long road, and it, it's kind of nice to to see that if you keep it something long enough mm-hmm. and you work enough for it that you can get to some level of success with that right. thing. And but you've you've added things since then. You don't just run anymore. Like you said, your body wasn't built up enough, right? So right. now you do strength training? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that's keeping up with All right, so I'll, I'll go back a little bit. So uh, the adage goes, if you want to get better at something, keep on doing that thing. So if you want to be a better runner, mm-hmm. run. Don't don't swim. Yes, don't exactly. bike. That's what I believe. Don't don't skateboard. Don't yep. Don't go on a hoverboard or something. You know, run. <laughs> I wonder how much you could actually build up if you did hoverboarding. I don't. Probably not much. <laughs> probably uh, a better risk of exploding on one than uh, anything else. But and to some extent that's true but you have to complement it with other things some people are gifted they don't need to stretch they don't need to strength train they don't get hurt they just can run forever and mm-hmm. you know great for those people I'm really happy for them I wish I were one of them but I am not right so it's knowing that you have to keep up with your your stretching so for me that's I call it catch up stretching yoga okay <laughs> so if I haven't gotten to my stretching for the week, which is, for the most part, 
um, most weeks because I barely have time to run and then I have to shower and go continue on with life. Yeah. Catch up stretching. Yeah. I can get down with some of it. I mean, I've tried. Not So I don't mean to demean it in any way. No, I know what okay. you're saying. Like, you should stretch every single day, but hey, I don't stretch every single day, so I'll do 90 minutes today. Something like that. And you have someone showing you what to do. Right. And it's more controlled, and it's you get time for all your muscles to warm up. You're not doing it cold. Sure. Yeah, I like yoga. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Just I'm not... <laughs> just where's the time you know where's the time and so that's where another part of it comes in is uh, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to do the things you need to do to get to what your goal is yes right you have a very difficult time doing everything you want to do in life and then oh by the way I want to train for a marathon or I want to run that ultra and run it well and complete it and not be hurt and be able to walk a week later Yes. Right? So. There's only so much time. There's only so much time. So that means you have to say no to things. You have to cut stuff out that you would rather do. Mm -hmm. And I think you really have to be self-motivated. So that's, I don't think you can understate that. So there was a time in, uh, I think it was 2012, where I... I think it was right after Boston that year. It was 95 degrees that year, and I had a horrible Boston because I thought it was immune to heat. Okay. <laughs> and so, so they sent out all these heat advisory emails, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, I'll be fine, and, you know, I, I've, I've, I've trained for this. And I'm interested to hear, what about your background growing up in Rochester made you believe you were immune to heat? Um, I... Because so, the ladies back there think it's hilarious. Yeah, apparently they do, yeah. <laughs> So I don't always think things through, and I'll, I don't need... That's not a but surprise have, to everyone. But you have this attention to detail. You have this amazing attention to detail. Yes, but I miss obvious things sometimes. And <laughs> you know, something could be right in front of my nose, and I don't even see it until someone points it out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that does make sense. So by about 10 kilometers in, in Boston 2012, I was done. Um, really? I was pretty much fried, yeah. Wow. So that's a long 32K to the finish. And yeah, that's um, and after such a build-up, how, how did that feel? It was pretty demoralizing. I mean, yeah. um, I just wanted to curl up in front of our air conditioner and start crying about halfway through the race. I think I stopped sweating after mile 14. I had goosebumps. Oh. Like, I everything you could do wrong. I mean, I was probably on the verge of hyponitremia and mm-hmm. mixed between there and <laughs> I was definitely sloshing. So it was, it wasn't lack of trying. It was just, my body didn't know what was going on. They mm-hmm. had these, like, what looked like little car wash tents for runners. Mm-hmm. They had like all these like sprinklers inside and you'd run through them and they had a couple of them on the course and you'd run through and it was great. And then you come out and I feel like I was in a broiler and oh. it, it almost made it worse. Right. So I... Just because you go from that change again, oh, I'm in 60-degree rainy water. Yeah. And then now I'm back in 90 again. Yeah. So that... uh, So I was about, I want to say, 50 minutes slower than my time for my first Boston in 2011, which was a 301. So I did about 351 that year, which... So it's all relative. Oh, no, exactly. Right? I mean, it's how, how are you going to perform on the day? You right. Don't feel guilty about being fast. You know, it's okay to be fast and consider yourself not fast enough. That's fine. 
<laughs> it's perfectly fine. I think I think you could probably run a much more solid 351 than I did. I right. think I ran a really horrible 351. Right. You can run 351 and feel good. You can, and, yeah. Or you can run and feel like yeah. death. And, well, that, like, yeah. so I ran, I ran DC back in March 12th. Sure. And I, I did it to be honest for the winter's training. And I ran a 355. Mm-hmm. An easy, quote unquote, 355. At no point was I working overly hard. I felt good at the end. I was able to walk around. I I wasn't, like, exhausted. I ran a marathon, and I felt good. And I was like, hooray, I'm at a point where I can run sub four and feel good. You know? That's a big deal. (laughs) So that means that you had done enough training to be able to have your body say that you were able to do that. And and it wasn't, like, it wasn't a PR race, and I I didn't feel like it needed to be, but I felt good now now am i going to go around and run around and say i ran a 355 there's people that run 455s and feel good at the end so like you said it's all relative well i give the people at the back of the pack a lot more credit than the people in front it's it's hot out there for much longer right i mean (laughs) (laughs) when i first started training for my first marathon i said there's no way i could run for five hours so i need to train to do it in four you know, right. that, that was that was my mentality. Yeah. So, so, all right. So Boston, dehydration, dehydration dying. De- you made it. Dying, and I had a one of those self-reflection moments, and I was like, "Why am I doing this? Why? Why do I keep on? I mm-hmm. keep on doing this, running myself into the ground." Yep. Exactly. What, like, what's the end game here? Like, what? What, what is my master plan? Right. It's not and to then, qualify for the Olympics. No, what is it, right? No. And then, um, you know, I, I got hurt later that spring, you know, it's typical That's routine of, for me. Part of your rotation. <laughs> part of my rotation, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Twice a year, something happens. So, oh. you know, go, go, go for some physical therapy and come back. And uh, I came back um, early, early September. So they had the half marathon at... Uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania, on this little strip of land called Presque Isle. Presque Isle, the fastest marathon in the East. That's right. Uh, <laughs> it pretty much has a zero net elevation gain on Strava. Mm-hmm. And I ran the race of my life. Yeah. I was limping after that one. Right. But a good limp. It was a good limp. So I was actually leading the half marathon for about four or five miles out of the whole thing um, and ended up coming in second by about 10 seconds wow somehow it, wow. I, i've looked at my training so strava's giving me a whole new way to look at my data so i went back and looked nothing in my training shows that i should have been able to do that that day <laughs> at all I, I cannot explain it at all besides the fact that i just felt like i was on cloud nine mm-hmm. i was just running and it was just awesome. great and everything went wonderfully and, and that was 2012 right or 20 that was 2012 2012 and i ran a 118 jeez um, so it was pretty wow. much six minute miles. Yeah. Which blazing. Is, is is completely ridiculous. I still think it's ridiculous. And I later talked with the guy who came in first. He's like, Oh yeah, I just ran like a one fourteen last month. I didn't feel as bad anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Well I, I wouldn't even allow to kick this guy anyway, so it wouldn't have, wouldn't have made wow. a difference. But so that kind of relit the flame a little bit. Right. And then Boston hadn't closed out yet that year. So this was for 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 2013. Yeah. 
and I didn't have a qualifier yet. I think, was that the first year that they did the rolling standards? I'm not sure. It might have been, and then, and then people were getting used to it, so it actually went past the first two weeks, and it was right. still open for free-for-all. Okay. If you qualified, you were in. Okay. And so Rochester Marathon was coming up. And so. Uh, and you were you in top condition. Uh, apparently. <laughs> and it was, so it was two weeks after Erie, or yeah. a week after Erie or something. And I spoke with my now uh, wife, Heather, about it. She's like, well, you could... You could go ahead and, and do it. You just got to be careful. Just run fast enough to, to qualify so you don't hurt yourself again. Because, you know, I like, to, I like to get running injuries. Save keep, that. Keep our uh, local health care industry for runners uh, going. And I ended up with, I, I think, uh, like a 304.52 or something in Rochester. Squeak. Yeah, pretty. It was a little closer than I, I would have liked. Um, but, and that kind of got me thinking, oh, maybe I'm good at this pacing thing. And. Right. That's so that's what story. I well, yeah. that, well, no, that's that is now the story because that's what I wanted to ask you. How does one decide to be a human metronome? Like, is that just a talent you discovered? Like, I could just start clicking off seven fifties without a watch and just go. So it's it's a little cliche, but what I found um, through my time pacing uh, races and, and helping out is that I get more I actually think I get more uh, out of seeing other people achieve success and mm-hmm. their goals than I actually get into getting my own yeah and, and that's kind of evident when you talk about your pace group you're like 13 people PR you know and yeah it's not about me I mean I, yeah so I I'm I'm there to work. Like that's my mm-hmm. job. My job right. is to get as many people over the finish line whose goal mm-hmm. is to run whatever time I'm pacing as possible. Yeah. And how did you decide how did you find out you had this ability? I mean, you are your splits are ridiculous consistent. How do, how do you find out that you can do that? I guess you just give it a shot and see and you, you just go for it. I mean, a lot of it's just in in training just practicing just saying, "Okay, can you know, don't look at my watch for a couple miles. I know it's it's hard sometimes. People call mm-hmm. it running naked or whatever, which right. is really yeah. just your naked wrist. You know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this which, is which a, is probably a this good is thing. a family show, by this the is way. A family show, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also a North Face brand now, I think, right? Yes. <laughs> shirts, but better than shirts. naked wrist. Yes. Anyway, and let me see if I can keep an eight-minute mile without looking at my mm-hmm. watch. You know, without having the inherently inaccurate GPS tell me yeah, right. you know, fluctuate all over the place on what I'm doing and you just work into it so my my sweet spot for marathons is about a 3 hour 30 minute which mm-hmm. is nice and easy to mm-hmm. figure out 8 minute miles yeah 8 minute Very miles very little math you don't have to do like 8 813 and figure out where you are in mile 16 you know where you're supposed to be and yeah. it's uh, it's pretty much second nature now yeah, it's, it's really weird. I mean, thanks. It's a hell of a talent. I mean, it is strange though. Like to think I'm gonna go out for a run, and I know for a fact. What'd you do today, Chris? I did eight minute miles. Okay. Well, so, but that's but it's never eight minute miles though. Well, it's like so, seven fifty nine. No, 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 no. Because so pacing is kind of an art form. And this yeah, is kind this of a, is, so it's it's kind of a challenge, and you never know 
how a race is going to be marked as far as the mile markers go, because mm -hmm. most of the time they're about right, but sometimes they're wrong and sometimes they're missing, whether I don't know if they're stolen or they just forget to put them out or something. <laughs> and sometimes there's tall buildings or it's a cloudy day and your GPS doesn't really work right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really an art form, so you have to say, okay, well, you might look at reviews for the race. I, I do a lot of races I haven't done before pacing, which is challenging. And I got to imagine there's pacer boards where everybody gives their tips and tricks. And mm, I haven't seen one okay, yet. Okay, well, there's your new business idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I could start something there. <laughs> I was thinking about starting a, um, a personal pacer yeah. side business along with my coaching that's um that's not um so one of the things i learned in starting businesses <laughs> is make sure that you're um you can spread the service among as many people as possible <laughs> so i would be probably pretty selective well, with that though well but. imagine if you book two gigs right and somebody wants to run 345 and somebody wants to run 350 now what you well, I, I'd hopefully have um, have a good enough yeah. calendar where I could have not double booked myself. <laughs> but anyway, but any, yeah. Anyway. So, so you figure out you got this freakish talent, and you start putting it to powers of good to helping people get PRs. I I enjoy it. I mean, it's yeah. It, it, it's kind of funny. There's always um, typically during marathons around mile eight or nine. There's someone around it's like you know i'm feeling good i'm gonna go ahead and i'm like you sure about that you know i had to say it just like that and they look at me they're like um uh, uh i'm like why don't you give it another couple miles and we'll see how you're doing and we'll go from there you yeah. know it's, it's kind of like they're in my care yeah you are you know, if yeah. i you're if, one part therapist you know well part. i don't profess to be so i right you're not a doctor i am not, not a doctor as you say you know i don't yeah. can, I'm not one. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a physical uh -huh. therapist, but um, I am an experienced runner who's done a lot of things wrong that would love to <laughs> spread my knowledge so people don't make the same mistakes that I have made. Right. And that's kind of what it boils down to is if mm -hmm. I can help somebody have a good race, that yep. means they'll continue running, continue being healthy, right. and maybe I'll see them next year. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you work these gigs you use them as part of your training obviously i mean you're not running a marathon and then going out and doing your training runs yeah that doesn't work really well no, no. <laughs> it doesn't work really well i try to work it into my training i mean i, I didn't realize that um, so i paced the new jersey marathon this past sunday the three hour 40 minute group okay i had no idea when this was scheduled months ago that that would actually be a training run for uh, the Comrades Marathon in South Africa at the end of this month. I had, <laughs> if you would have told me that, I actually wanted to run the half and I wanted yeah. to pace it slower because I just run Boston. Mm -hmm. And because we had a lot of Rochester people going down to New Jersey and it was like, well, I want to be involved. Maybe I can help out and I ended up pacing one of them um, in, right. who was in my group, which is pretty fun. Nice. But I, I was like, well, that's 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 crazy. You know, you're gonna regret that. That's great. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I, life's so, funny sometimes. So you did a training run for now. Um, what is one of the world's most storied races? The the oldest ultra that I know of on the roads, right? Yeah. I believe it's the old oldest road ultra, Comrades Marathon, South Africa, 55 miles, net downhill. 
<laughs> I think there's this about a, this is a downhill year. Eight or so every other every year they they change it to an up year or down year, and that pretty much half the course is like in a, a consistent up or a down, and then it kind of rolls. Yeah. So this year is a down year, which means the last I think twenty miles are pretty much downhill. <laughs> so it's going to be really fun. It's all but downhill from here. I think there's about eight or ten thousand feet of elevation change. Yeah. So it's it's one of the few road races that actually rivals the elevation gain of a, of a oh. decent trail ultra. Yeah. Uh, so I'm saying I'm a little bit nervous, just uh, just mm-hmm. a little bit. And if I wasn't, I'd probably be a little weird. It'd be a little bit silly. You're yeah, traveling silly. to another continent to run 55 miles as fast as you can. So I have to say this wasn't on my bucket list. This is on my wife Heather's bucket list. Um, it was actually a potential honeymoon idea when we were okay. married last year. We didn't want to have a honeymoon based on a race what happens if one of us gets hurt then the whole thing is ruined or blah Mm -hmm. blah but we figured well it was Boston weekend and we were hanging out with one of Heather's uh, friends one of my friends as well and she said well you know Heather there are a couple people who can't run comrades anymore and they allow substitutions up until this coming Wednesday which I guess was what April 21st or something April 20th and and we're like, oh, really? And as soon as I looked at Heather, I knew. I'm like... <laughs> we're running comrades. I, it, it, you just kind of have a feeling sometimes stuff's just going to happen and you have no... It's just going to go on a life of its own and yeah. just stay out of the way. The bus is going through. And, <laughs> and so they allow what's called substitutions. And it looks sounds like something from the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. But... It's you have to register for this race like September last year. Yeah, twenty thousand people do this and race. It's super sold out. Super. It's fast. super sold out, and so people have to go on the website and say, "Okay, I want a substitution," and then get a code and then find somebody to accept the code. Oh, really? Yes, and it's up to them to do it, and then it's up to them to actually get payment via, say, PayPal or something from the person who they transferred it to. to actually, It's like StubHub for races. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, except at this point, people are getting kind of desperate because they want to... Right. So do, is there, like, market price for these races? It was market price. So there was one person from, I don't remember where in Europe, and one person from Australia that we actually got their entries. Wow. Oh, you didn't is, know that? I thought it no, was, like, Heather's know. friends. There's, so... One of Heather's friends is an ambassador for Comrades. Okay. And he got us connected with a Facebook group. I guess there's a UK Facebook group for Comrades. Wow. And people were posting about it, and we had to communicate. So we'd send him a message. It would take a day. They send a message back because they were sleeping, and then they had to work. And then it was, Oh, my goodness. It was getting a little hairy towards the end because we were running out of time. But we, we made it happen, and... Uh, yeah, it's going to be a little crazy on a 15-hour flight to Johannesburg, another hour flight to Durban. It's uh, I've only been on a flight, I think, for seven hours Oh yeah, total, so I can only imagine everyone's like, wear compression socks. I'm like, your legs will explode or something. I'm like, ah. Yeah, you can, you know, the thing, I think the thing about the compression socks is because you're sedentary for so long. Um, I flew... To from you know uh, Atlanta to Paris and then Paris to uh, Bangalore, India. Oh, wow. So I've I've done that that trip: Rochester, Atlanta, Paris, Bangalore is 24 hours of travel. 
So it's like, I think, 19 hours of, 18 hours of air time and seven hours of sitting around, farting around or whatever. Um, but it's, it's a lot of time. Um, I didn't find, like, I mean, I wasn't going to run or anything, right. but I didn't find it, like, overly taxing as long as you're prepared. You know, no matter what, bring a sweatshirt. Like, have a sweatshirt with you because it will happen, you right. know. You will get cold and you'll be like, oh, sweatshirt. This is wonderful. But other than that, you're, you're hardy. You can do it. So I, I, there's so much to this race. I mean, I, and, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to convince Heather that she's going to come on and tell the post-race story. Okay. You can have the pre-race jitters. She can have the post-race celebration. That's fair, right? You're a giver. I mean, I, I probably won't be able to make it out to the podcast after the race. I'll still be um, probably <laughs> in a stretcher somewhere or something. Or no, just you'll be fine. It's incapacitated. 50. So have you have you run an ultra before? So the only ultra I've ever done officially um, is the Finger Lakes 50K, which, um, I, which was 20, 2014, I think. Whatever. They were handing out, like, red T-shirts that year. I okay. think that was the... and. Surprise, it was muddy, and I guess you run through cow pastures, and the first loop was was fine. Um, The second loop, uh, and so that's the race I realized that I had very poor lower leg strength, like around, so the front of my ankle specifically. Okay. So every time I would hit a a route the wrong way or something, and obviously as you Mm -hmm. get more tired, you hit more things with your feet because you can't lift them as high. Right. It would slow me down and be like, ah, you know, okay, we'll shake it off and keep on going, but it happens enough you can't shake it off anymore and you're just pretty much it happens you stop and you want to like scream and it was just horrible pain and i think that race messed me up for a good three four weeks after really yeah it um so i so i will say nothing bad about the race other than to make sure that you're properly prepared for uh, ruddy cow pastures with and if there's dried mud you better make sure that you're you're uh, your ankles can take take that punishment because yeah, I um, would I would imagine dry mud is probably worse than wet mud. It's yeah, I I try to block that. I had a great first loop, um, and uh, trying to keep up with Jamie Hobbs a little bit. Oh, and uh, second loop, I that uh, was not. I, sh- I wish I had just run the the twenty five k that day, but mm. uh, the longest I've ever run was. Uh, right after Boston 2013, I didn't want Boston to be our last marathon because of the um, the bombing. Um, it kind of <laughs> it's kind of a downer, you know. Jeez, uh, <laughs> to the mildly, yeah. And I, I wanted that visual out of my head. I didn't want that to be my last marathon. So Heather's from Maine, so I talked her into doing the Maine Coast Marathon, which was the month after. And she was training for her first hundred miler at that point, and so she did pre miles, and she. So we did six pre miles that day. So I okay. run. So I, I've run thirty two miles before. Um, so this is okay. An additional twenty four on top of that. So okay. uh, if you've hung around me enough, you probably heard me say I have no desire to run a fifty miler. And here mm. I am running a fifty six miler. So yeah. I, I don't quite. It's all right. It's. <laughs> um, so there's there's I have so many questions. <laughs> Um, so when we, the first time that I met you was at a damn good preview run. And I think it was like 2013 damn good preview. 
and you were it might have even you were leading up to Presque Isle I think because you kept saying I don't think I'm going to run this race I don't think I'm going to race it because I don't want to run this course it's too rooty before my goal race so that I, sounds familiar I have to feel like that was right before Presque Isle it I remember running the the preview run I remember uh I think I tripped twice on that run. Yeah, and were you, you around for the? Yeah, yeah, and that's why you were saying like I don't want to run this before yeah. my my goal race. I think that was one of my first times wearing and, a hydration pack. And um, yep, you were you were talking about it, it was yeah. the first time. And I remember thinking like, what is this dude doing out here for <laughs> a fourteen mile trail race, <laughs> complaining about it's going to ruin his chances at a road race, and so like. Have you made a conscious decision to, like, you run roads? Are you, like, adverse to trails, or you just prefer racing roads? That's a fair question. So in 2010, I ran, and I, I think it's it's back, it sounds like. I don't know if it was the Eastern Grip Trail Series or the Western New York Series or something. Um, I ran... There was the eight in the rough race uh, mm-hmm. near Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, okay. And I did the 15 miler in Wellsville, New York. The Ridge Walk? Uh, the Ridge Walk, yeah, yeah. Ridge Walk, yeah. They handed out these awesome Nelgene uh, water bottles after. That was, it was fun. I remember I, I met someone, uh, I think he ended up running about 20 minutes ahead of me, but it was the first time I had seen uh, Five Fingers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was like. <laughs> five fingers on trails like he was yeah you know and now it's common you know you it's like you, you don't even look at him twice anymore but this is yeah that was a little infancy. interesting yeah this is 2010 <laughs> this was like the early days i um i didn't know if, i don't know when born to run came out or i don't know when all those books 2011 came out. was yeah born so it wasn't even so he was ahead of the curve apparently <laughs> yeah but i'm like you're, you're crazy man i i I'm just I, I don't know there's I think two miles of that race, it felt like they were just going downhill. I felt like my feet were on fire. Yeah. It was pretty. So I can only imagine what Comrades is going to be like. <laughs> Except, so I will say something about Comrades. Uh, we're not racing it. You have a 12 hour time limit. If you are uh, one second a beyond yep. 12 hours, they close the finish line, they gate it off. You get no medal, you get no time. Yep. There's you, no, get, you get picked up by the truck. <laughs> I can almost see like them, them them putting like a fence there, and you trying to get through it. That's what they like do. A, I mean, they close it down. Yeah. Sorry, the the party's inside so, and you're outside. So we don't want to be those people. Yeah. At 12 hours and one. Well, second. you know, but they have all the different awards for all the different times: the gold, the silver, the they red, do. the bronze. They got all these so different names. Our current and plan, and this will be interesting to contrast with what actually happens after. So, make <laughs> sure for those of you listening to listen to the post race one. We got to get around there. Got to get around. I have a feeling she'll do it. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> that we want to finish 10 and a half, 11 hours, kind of have that mindset give us, you know, an hour wiggle room, mm-hmm. <laughs> which sounds like a lot, but... If I it's think there's um there's a 9.30, like sub 9.30, there's, a, there's an award, and then I think after that, it's finisher yeah. award. I, I think we're just going for yeah, the experience, so that's... Oh, I know. Which gives me a little comfort, but then I'm saying, well, I have to be on my feet, like moving, not just walking for right. 11 hours, and I've right. never even come close to that before, so... 
so that's but, gonna be great. So that that idea of um, you you evaded the trails versus roads question. Oh, I, did I? I? I have I have listeners that that need this is this is a question from a listener. Well, we have we have primaries going on right now. There's <laughs> there's a lot of political discussions yeah, going on and a lot of dodging of questions. And if I were moderating those primaries, oh, sir. Oh, <laughs> okay. All um, right. But I, so it seems like it seems like you enjoy racing roads, but it doesn't seem like you're opposed to running trails. So I will say that I signed up for Sega Honda in 2012, mm-hmm. and I didn't go. I just didn't go. I just so I it was a DNG. I did not go. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. We're coming up with all sorts of TLAs yeah. for, for not starting a race. <laughs> and I remember looking on Facebook and seeing the conditions were horrid. It was a muddy year, as most years are. Yeah. And I said, I don't remember exactly why, but I've just had enough good reasons as to not do it. Mm-hmm. So, I but I, I vowed to one yeah. One day come back. Yeah, and let's talk about one day coming back because you conveniently found another way out of Sega Honda. The guy who's never run more than 32 miles will run a 56-mile race just to get out of running Sega Honda. Which, coincidentally, is the same weekend yeah. as Sega Honda. So I had to now have two DNGs for <laughs> Sega Honda, which is pretty impressive considering I have no other D- like. Yeah. Anything like that in my entire You finished FL fifties. <laughs> so the only DNF I have um, was the uh, appropriately named End of the World Freezeru a couple years back, where I pulled a calf muscle at about a half mile in, and yeah, and you know that that was I think actually the last time um, I had physical therapy. So that was about two years ago, and I swore I would do things differently. Yeah. Um, after that. Um, but in, so I, I think I need to go back to the trail question. You're looking at me again. Okay. Yes, I, I do want to do trails. Yeah, I mean, you signed up for Sega Honda. I need to. You know? I'm not acute. I'm I'm getting your preference. I, to me, I mean, what you do on the roads, running a, a 251 marathon. There, I hope you don't hear accusation in my voice. No, no, I, because. <laughs> I enjoy running trails. Yeah. I don't necessarily enjoy inhaling exhaust from passing cars while running on the sides of roads. I don't enjoy the camber of the roads. Yeah. It has its own issues if you run too much on the sides of them. And I don't necessarily enjoy running on concrete all the time. Um, I think trails do have their place. Um, and I, I do want to get back to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say uh, it's, it's pretty evident roads are my... Mm-hmm. You're, you're good at it. I mean, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, uh, you just had an what was it? An eight-minute PR? Two fifty-one? Something like that. Yeah. So something like that. Not exactly. Like you don't know exactly how many seconds. That's about seven minutes. <laughs> so that was, so that was Boston uh, this past. Yeah, and how many people go in PR at Boston? Like, so it's not the easiest course to PR on, but it's also as. I think uh, we. I have to bring up Mike Weldon because he seems to be brought up in every single podcast that I've listened to. At least he posted a picture of a uh, of a yellow speed bump. Yeah, uh, a <laughs> Our couple days before Boston. He's like, 
Wow, guys, here's, uh, here's the latest footage of uh, Heartbreak Hill here. Be careful out there. And it's like this three-inch speed bump, like, on a parking lot. Yep. And I think that sums up the trail runner's view of, of, of the hills in Boston. It, it's just kind of like, yeah, well, we, we do that elevation in, in two miles of trail running. Yeah, you know, I, you, think it's, I think it's Heartbreak. And, and you know, my thing about marathon pacing is, like you said, eight minutes. Eight minutes, eight minutes, eight minutes, eight minutes. That's... If you have a nine-minute mile in there, mm-hmm. you're you're screwed. There goes your PR. Like, you, when we run ultras and we climb those huge things, we stop at the top. You know, we get a drink, we eat something, you know, and then we run again. Like, that's where I think heartbreak is. Like, oh, I dropped ten seconds off my mile split that time, and now my heart's broken. Well, I think so. When I think of heartbreak now, I haven't done it six times. And in various wow. states of consciousness. <laughs> I mean, so it's a 100-foot hill, okay? It's, it's at mile 21. 100 feet hill. 100, fo- 100 oh, feet. Oh, I know, God. it's so horrible. Oh, my gosh. It's No, that's, that's okay. It's, I mean, it's good that you actually put a number to it because it's this mythical... Well, I, I, I didn't know how what the actual elevation was until this past year I actually looked. And... What I, what I see is all the spectators around cheering all the runners on. I see they have this huge blow-up thing at the top with, like, this saying, you know, you've, you've conquered heartbreak hell, and, and, every, and everyone just cheering you on. And it, it's, it's a big freaking deal at Boston. Yeah? It's a huge deal. And this past year, there were a couple guys around me, and there's a couple hills before heartbreak. That's the, the fourth and final one. And after everyone, it's like, was that heartbreak? Was that heartbreak? <laughs> you know, broken English. And I'm looking at him. I'm smiling. I'm like shaking my head. He's like, no. Oh, crap. You know, he's just kept on going. And it was funny. And, but so this this was the year that I, I saw heartbreak coming. And I didn't let it get the best of me this year. I, I just... Just ran right I just over ran, it. I just ran up that thing like it was nothing, and uh, I had a mantra I repeated in my head during the race. Every time I get a little tweak in a hamstring, or you know, my, my shoulder would get a little stiff, or my neck would get a little stiff, or or whatever, and you know, it was be you've you've done the training. Mm-hmm. Just run the thing. Right, and just run it. <laughs> Every time you've done the training, and I think the confidence that I had actually gone through a full training cycle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I missed a couple runs. I dodged an injury or two here and there just by taking a rest day or two. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much if you get it in the beginning. Right, yeah. Running through stuff doesn't work well for me. I just <laughs> doesn't doesn't work, so I just stopped trying. And life's a little bit easier when you're not trying to... Right, <laughs> run through stuff. Well, but. and when you're not beating yourself up for not hitting your workout because right. you're running through your workout while you're hurt, it's like a double whammy. Right. So the fact that I knew that I, I put the work in, the fact that I knew that my my, my training was there, mm-hmm. and got it just, me through it. Right. The I mental just was, the mental side of it, you had you feel like you had it locked down. Yeah. I would say there was a little bit of a little bit of stubbornness there 
Mm-hmm. And I would say that stubbornness that got the best of me in 2012, that same stubbornness that said, oh, I can run through 95 degree heat and this and that. <laughs> but this was a different kind. This was actually, this had a foundation. This actually was built on something saying, yeah. no, I I did all those marathon pace runs. I can I yeah. can do this. There's, you know, I remember an hour went by and I'm like, you know, I don't feel that great, but you've done the training, dude. Just just run just it. Just keep going. Just keep, and I just kept yeah. on running and... That's just, cool, just and, it. and it worked, and it's a seven-minute PR at one of the biggest races in the country. Um, apparently, what I was told wasn't the easiest day to run. Yeah, which I I agree with, yeah. but I don't think much was going to stop me. Yeah. <laughs> so, day. so do you think you're done with Boston now, or are you going to keep going back? Is Boston like a a big thing for you? So, I mean, you've done six times. I would say it's a big thing for us, as yeah. in Heather and myself. So Heather yeah. just completed her ninth Boston. Yeah. So after ten then you kind of get into this club where you can register for everybody else if you qualify. And right, so, yeah. And she's worked very hard to get into this club. Yeah. And so, and I'm, I'm a little bit behind. I'm a slacker. Yeah, it's like so, frequent flyer miles, right? So, you got to keep them up or I, they don't. <laughs> uh, so I've said, and I'll, I'll repeat it here for the record, that as long as she continues to qualify for Boston, I will also continue to qualify for Boston. Woo! And it's also right around our wedding anniversary um, yeah. So it's it's a pretty cool honeymoon. I, I love Boston just in general. Yeah, it's, I mean, a great city. It's it's so like anti New York and big building, and it just doesn't uh-huh. seem like it's a big city when you're in it. Right. I just it, I I had never been there before my first yeah. Boston marathon. You guys are you guys are Boston lifers then? Huh? Well, well, we'll see. I mean, you, you can't put too much. You have to be careful not to put too much into one basket. Mm-hmm. You know, too many eggs in one basket. So I want to say, if if I don't make Boston one year, my whole life is over. No, I know that, I, but but it's a yearly race for you. Like that's the thing. It's it's something we look forward to. Yeah, exactly. And Why it not? Just plan happens around? to be one of the more celebrated runs around. Yeah, Boston um, in the spring. Why not? Right. So I've who was it uh, a couple a couple shows ago? I think he was from Syracuse. What was his name? Oh, uh, Jason Mintz? Jason Mintz. He was talking about big city marathons. Yeah. And he said how it might irritate some people, but he doesn't think Boston is the best Mm -hmm. marathon. He actually preferred New York. Yeah. So I've done New York, and I've done Chicago, uh, and, um, you know, Boston several times. So I actually, I'd like to say I went went to New York twice. Yeah. Uh, I went to New York in 2012, uh, just in time to get to the expo when... Mayor Bloomberg was canceling the race because of the hurricane that just hit. Yeah, um, which was a good thing. I, I, I agree with that move. Uh, I was I took the mega bus um, to New York City that day, and <laughs> I'll never forget looking out the the windows of the bus and seeing about a half mile line of cars and people holding gas cans at the gas stations on the way going through New Jersey. And I remember just reading on my phone at the time, just all like the, the comments on Facebook and like people like going wild and saying, how can you have this race? And then they had the infamous photo where they they had the, the two mammoth generators they were using for the, the finish line when there's a yeah. quarter of the city didn't have power. And what are you guys doing? There's yeah. tens of thousands of bottles of water and all of these and, and, and blankets for the finishers or the ponchos. And <laughs> eventually they, they did give all those things to yeah. people who needed them, but my gosh, they were going to do that race. They were, like, so close. And I felt horrible the whole way there. I I was almost, I was I was pretty emotional on the way there. I'm yeah. like, I can't 
like what are we doing like i right. i feel like i was gonna get like stuff thrown at me while i was running you right. know where are the priorities right that well kind of right thing. so they ended up canceling it and um heather had a a, a, a friend from one of her uh, running online running uh groups who lived in uh toronto and apparently the hamilton marathon had opened up 200 slots for people who were who were going to run New York but couldn't. And so I was giving the stranger my credit card information online. I had to. I went to my buddy's apartment that night who I was staying with and filled out the online application, and I scanned it in and emailed it to him so he had it. And I didn't know the guy at all. This is ridiculous. This is actually a funny story. <laughs> so I'm as I'm walking out of the expo that day, they wouldn't even give me my number. I got my, my 2012 shirt, uh-huh. but I was on the phone with Megabus scheduling a the first bus back to Rochester the next morning. So that you could go to Hamilton, so that Ontario. I, so, so on the way to back to Rochester, I was on my phone. Um, I think it was like my iPhone 3GS or 4 at the time or whatever. And on like the first iteration of the Priceline app or Hotels.com app, and I was trying to see if I could narrow down what hotel I would get on Priceline if I picked a certain territory. <laughs> <laughs> at a certain price point. Right. And I said, I think I can get the Holiday Inn if I do this. And I, I got it. I actually did enough analysis because I had nothing else to do on the bus. And I saved a couple <laughs> bucks. And I, So I ended up getting home. So Heather picked me up, took me back uh, back to the house, and then had dinner waiting for me. Yeah. And I repacked my stuff because I had a different race to run. I got in the car <laughs> and I drove to, to Canada. So night. so you have no problem going to another country to run a race. Apparently not. <laughs> so I remember getting to sleep around 12.30 a.m. I woke up at about 4 to get ready for this freaking race. And I had to meet this guy at a Tim Hortons, of course, <laughs> at, at about 5 o'clock in the morning. Eh? That's the safest and spot to meet in, in Canada is the Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> Open 24 hours. <laughs> And he gave me my race bib and everything, and then Back I followed pickup, him. Huh? And wow. I, I followed him to the parking lot, and then uh, proceeded to um, underestimate the um, the conditions that day. It was pretty cold, so Hamilton's off the the lake, so it was mm-hmm. a lake breeze. And I I think I missed. I, th- I think I ran like a three hour one minute or something like that or three yeah. hours and some seconds and just missed it because I had a cramp about 23 mile 23 or so I just couldn't shake it off and um, and it was yeah that was rough and people were like yeah but you just you like were like in a bus and in a car and you didn't get any sleep <laughs> right. and I'm like yeah but I wasn't I, I right. was I was trained pretty well I didn't want yeah. to just give up so you, so you started this story by um, by trying to tell off Jason Mintz that how the, how Boston's better than New York City. So I went back to New York in 2013. Yeah. Okay. Because you, you, obviously you could defer, right? Well, I think they gave the I think they gave everybody entry uh, option to enter 2013, right. right? Yes, they did. Or you could get the refund after they mm-hmm. finished. They figured out the whole insurance fiasco. Yeah. That must have been fun. That took a while for them to figure out. I don't even want to know, right? And, I mean, good thing the Road yeah. Roadrunners is a million dollar organization. Okay. So right? I went back in 2013. All right, same deal. This time, no hurricane, thank God. I will say the first mile of New York Mm -hmm. is probably the most exciting mile of bridge running I've ever had in my entire life. Exactly. It's like like Mad Max beyond Thunderdome, man. So 
I would say that um, and this is a family show, so we won't talk about what happens on the lower deck of the bridge. <laughs> but I had I had the luxury of being on the upper deck of the bridge and being able to see the NYPD helicopters going around and yeah. the fire boats spraying water. And mm-hmm. man, you just want to run yeah. flat out. Like, yeah. if they should just have like a mile road race across that bridge. I know <laughs> they won't be able to do it, but they no, should. That would be really cool. That would be I really think. fun. Um, you'd probably have to get some some wind gauges to see how much wind assisted it is. Yeah, but, I was on the lower deck. Yeah. And one of the things that happens on the lower deck is traffic on the other side is open. Oh, no so, kidding. Yeah, well, I so suppose something on, has to be yeah, open. You're yeah. on one side of the road, and what's open is FedEx and UPS trucks zooming back and forth on the other side of the bridge. So as you're in this wind tunnel getting blasted mm-hmm. by the wind, and it was super, I ran 2014. Yep. So it was super windy that year. There's trucks cruising by the other side, and all you, you're running, I was running flat out for my life, not for excitement, but for survival. <laughs> I mean, there's people, like, their water bottles are blowing. I thought my bib was going to blow off my shirt. Yeah. I was holding it with one hand, and, like, I probably, even though my Garmin didn't pick it up because I was on the lower level, I probably ran, like, a a seven-minute mile to get off. Sure. And I'm I'm trying to run a four-hour marathon. Right. It's not the best pacing strategy. I probably ran sub-seven to get off of that bridge. Sure. But um, yeah, it, it, like I think the way you captured it, it's the most exciting mile of bridge running ever. <laughs> I, I have to say, it's, it's a heck of a, a way to start a race off on the wrong foot if you are not the most disciplined of runners. Mm-hmm. Just so blast I would out of say the it's a more challenging course in that regard. Mm-hmm. Also, I didn't realize it was a hilly course because I didn't think of the bridges. Yeah, six so six bridges. Was, so that was my fault. So as we talk about, oh, going on First Avenue after the, I don't remember what what street bridge it was yeah uh, i was walking yeah oh yeah Woo. oh i was i was walking i was done huh. I, they, so they it was a excellent place to walk because they were handing out gels uh-huh. i think i took about three of them <laughs> <laughs> and that was the race i learned maybe i do need nutrition during a race oh. yeah maybe i can't pull off this 26.2 without actually having in ingesting some, you know, reasonable amount of calories. Yeah. Which now I tell that to myself. I'm like, you, you moron. You know, like, <laughs> how could you ever think you could do that? Like, right. You know? And and so there's always something to be gained from every every right. experience, whether it's positive or negative. Um, I, I will say that um, the finish going through Central Park was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I. I think Boston is more of a charm. I, I more of a charm, yeah. I I, I, I mean, I've never run Boston, but I could see it being more charming, more personal, more meaningful. Like, there's there's emotions attached to Boston, whereas I think New York City is glamour, glitz, bombast. I mean, what a great way to see New York City. Oh, right, right. to run yeah. through the streets. You know, I think that's where the allure of New York City really is. So, so I'm not. And so Chicago, so I probably rank it Boston, Chicago, New York City, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago's more of a hometown, again, like, you know, kind of smaller feel. But I also would say it's probably because I had a better experience in Chicago because <laughs> I had my previous marathon PR there had, and it was a beautiful day. Yeah, hadn't forced you to walk? No. Mm-hmm. No. So, yeah. So, 
Um, so let's flash forward to today, right? You're sure. about to run Comrades. Yeah. You're going to survive Comrades. You're going to come back, now an intercontinental marathon runner. What, what then? What's next? So I'm not a big fan of trying to top things. Yeah. Because that can get really dangerous because at some point you... <laughs> At some point you end up <laughs> running some, on seven continents in seven days. And, which people do and yeah. have and have survived and Yeah. That's awesome. Good for yeah. you. That's that's really cool. Uh, so just I don't let me think. What is after comrades? So you're gonna start this uh, So this the week whole, after comrades. Yeah. Um pacing another half marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was probably that was probably an inappropriate laugh on my part. I mean, no, the joke's on me. No, it's fine. It's fine. You're so, pacing the two-hour group. No. Oh no 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 no. So last year I had the pleasure of pacing the Cedar Point Half Marathon mm. in Sandusky, Ohio, and I also have the pleasure of repeating as the pacer there. And it's a pretty fun trip. Except I'll be pacing the hour 30-minute group. Ooh. So maybe you should ask me how I'm feeling after that, mm-hmm. after Comrades. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm seriously debating just doing rehab-type things that week just to keep... I would, I would imagine that. Just What else would yeah, you do? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, there's no training plan for it. Massage? I don't, yeah, I, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but, I don't know if there's... I mean, you could... So I suppose that's an example of having something that doesn't contribute to your previously yeah. scheduled racing calendar. It just kind of... Well, you just kind of shoved it in there. There's no way you're going to pass up comrades. No. There's, there's no way. Well, obviously right? not with non-refundable plane tickets and, <laughs> <laughs> and the loving wife who yep. I want to continue to love me. So we yep. can so, do that. Okay. And then, I mean, so and as far as like events topping things, what's the, what's the next chapter? Does it look like more like professional pacing gigs? Like, are you just going to go tour around the Northeast pacing people? No, I think, I think I'll, I'll still pace, but, um, um, so as, as, as you know, I'm, I'm starting, um, or I guess I have started a, uh, a, a coaching business. Um, there you go. So that's, I, that's like professional. Pacing. It is a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to get Roadrunners Club of America, uh, coaching certified in Dallas, uh, back in March. And that stemmed from, um, helping out. Um, so I help out with the Medved distance training group. Um, as a Medved ambassador. So the idea is that you you help out in all avenues, Mm -hmm. so whether it be the Wednesday night runs from the store or, in my case, I specialize in the distance group. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realized I just really loved helping people out, and I said, well, if I I enjoy this enough, then let me take it to the next step, right? Mm -hmm. So group group trainings um, is, is, is wonderful, but I also think... And... And this is where I kick myself in the butt a little bit, saying, well, why didn't I have, like, a personal coach or something? Like, why, mm-hmm. you know, who was I to think that I could figure things out? It's taken me 10 years to figure it out. You know, yeah. maybe I could have figured it out, like, eight years ago if I had had someone else, yeah. you know, telling me the obvious things that I... Like eat? 
<laughs> eat during marathons? Yeah. <laughs> Have a nutrition plan? No. What's that? I don't need to do that. It's crazy. So I, I want to 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 try that. And um, but there was one thing with that um, that they talked about uh, one of the the instructors in the class and said you you can't expect to you you cannot expect to train as you would if you were not a coach. So put another way, if you're training other athletes and you're putting however many hours a week into doing that in addition to the normal day job and mm-hmm. you know being a loving husband and spending time at home and mm-hmm. not being in front of the computer screen, you know, doing spreadsheets all day, something has to give so you have the sacrifice, right? Right. So you expect your performance and your training to go down because you're coaching others? I expect it to, so there has to be a limit. So I don't think I want to coach more than five or 10 people at once. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as long as, so it's in fairness to them and fairness to (laughs) the rest of my personal life. Right. And so would you, are you thinking these are local runners like you're not thinking like distance or online component or so i already have someone in ohio um, okay apparently so so there's there's i guess that answers the question already but um and my my say my my friend brad in new hampshire so i guess there's two but there you go um, but yes there are some local people who um who are interested but um yeah, I, I I think there's different things you can do. Different people want different things. Not everybody wants hand holding. Mm-hmm. Some people yeah. just give me a plan, and I'll do it. But just yeah. have it based on something. But I also think that you know there's hundreds of different books out there with training plans. There's websites now that automatically create training plans for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be the type of person. Um, not that I have the experience or whatever yet, but say okay Chris here's there's a little money write a training plan for me and I'll go on my merry way well no I don't mm-hmm. think that's very much value add I'd probably point you somewhere else and say you can get a much better training program go to this person or that person or use this service you know go to <laughs> talk to Jack Daniels you know he'll, right. he'll give you a good plan I'm sure yeah. and I want to be able to walk someone through it I don't think that you could possibly have a training plan where you don't make adjustments I don't think that's how life works. So, <laughs> Got to account for the occasional injury here and there? The, not just life, vacations. Yeah. Answer the questions. Yeah. I'm much better at giving advice than taking it. Yeah. <laughs> as I think many people are. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes and uh, give it my best shot and hopefully um, get people on the road to success. But I think that's the next, the next step. But I, I will continue pacing. I will continue road running and... Uh, right. One day I will run Sega Honda, probably. <laughs> probably. Probably. Kendra, Kendra said in the radio show, she said, I will definitely, probably, maybe never do this again. <laughs> she was talking about Twisted Branch. Okay, I, not, not, not your radio yeah, show. Yeah, okay. she was right. talking about Twisted <laughs> <laughs> I will probably, definitely, maybe never do this again. Yeah. I think they're closing us down here. I don't know what to, is it in nine o'clock. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're probably trying to chase us out. Yeah. So this has been uh, wonderful yeah. having uh, your inaugural podcast from the Burger Bar <laughs> from the Burger here Bar. at the Pittsford Wegmans. It's been fun.
I'm extremely interested to hear about the Patterson's experience in South Africa. It's uh, Comrades is just one of those races that has always piqued my interest. And then coaching? Wow. So imagine having a, uh, a Rochester full of pace-perfect roadrunners. That could be a pretty cool sight, you know, just marching along perfectly paced. But anyways, um, I'm also looking forward to when Chris finally makes his way to Sagahunda. Um, though I think he could be recovered enough after Comrades to make it to Ontario Summit trail races this year on June 11th. I mean, that's two and a half weeks of recovery. He should be fine. Um, speaking of which, we are right at the crest here. Uh, this episode is coming out at what could be considered the official start of race season. This weekend, some folks will be minding the ducks for 12 hours, while others, like me, will be running 13, 26, or 52K down at the Tom B. Memorial Races in Ithaca. One pretty awesome guy is going down uh, with the support of his wife and an entire trail community to run all 100 miles of Massanutten Mountain. So, good luck, sir. Also, our little podcast is turning one, and we're celebrating with a movie night birthday party on May 27th. We'll be watching some short local films, and then the feature will be 100 Head, Heart, Feet, which is a documentary about a man named Zach who decided to run the Vermont 100. Uh, We're going to have a raffle for folks at the party, and the number of free race entries in this raffle is now officially up to 12. Yeah, 12 free races one can win. Uh, Any number of those races, you get to pick the races that you will win, so you put your hat, uh, your ticket in the hat for the race that you want to win, so all manner of races, including many of the ones that you heard about on the podcast all year long. Uh, We also have some awesome photo prizes from Ascend Collective, massage time from the one and only Josh Stratton LMT, and that's just the beginning of the list of prizes. Anyways, going to be pretty awesome. And speaking of Josh Stratton, let's talk about small business sponsorships. Some of you have heard about him on the podcast before and may say, is this going to be another ad for Strat? But every day, there is someone who starts running and who hasn't heard of Scott Jurek or Chrissy Mail. There's people right now uh, who are in need of a massage and haven't heard or need to be reminded about Josh Stratton, LMT. So check out Josh's Facebook page at facebook.com slash Josh Stratton, LMT. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. When you book your massage, use the code MACEWINDU to get $15 off an hour massage. Yeah, 60 minutes for 50 bucks. So let me tell you about him. Josh is a licensed massage therapist who is quite well-known and often fully booked at one of the more well-known massage establishments in the city. But he also has his own practice with an office in the same location as For Performance and Inside Sports PT located in Winton Place. He offers all the massage types, including therapeutic massage, sports massage, specific treatment massage, deep tissue massage, and even Swedish massage. Everyone is going to Josh. Who's everyone? I can't tell you, and neither can he, because there are laws about that sort of thing. Uh, But I can tell you that these ads are working because he keeps signing up for them, and people keep telling me thanks for the recommendation. So 
The dude is good. If you're even wondering if you should go see him, then that means you should. Get fixed up. Get that little niggle taken care of. Don't let your race season be shortened when the solution is so close at hand. 60 minutes for $50, again, with the code MACEWINDU. With that, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.